and welcome on into CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey here with you on this Tuesday. Welcome. Welcome to CBS Sports Radio. Appreciate you making us a part of your evening. Where else? Right here. CBS Sports Radio. All right. So, one thing I enjoyed from Sunday was the Patriots getting smoked. Look, I'm a Colts fan. Colts-Patriots rivalry, right, goes back a good ways. Um, I'm 29, so kind of, you know, growing up, I don't really remember when the Colts and or Patriots are both really bad, so I grew up right in the middle of the Tom Brady-Peyton Manning rivalry. So I'm not going to hide my disdain for the Patriots. I hate them. I enjoy watching them lose each and every week, and I don't feel like I'm alone as most fan bases, 31 others I can point to, have not had the same success, the same winning as the Patriots have, so I think I am not alone in, let's say, my my love for watching the Patriots suffer. And so, look, can't lie, enjoyed them, watching them getting beat down there in Dallas, 38-3. to The offense looked bad, defense looked bad, Bill Belichick getting embarrassed. But one thing I don't get is this. Coming out of that game, the number one pinata, right, from that Patriots blowout loss to the Cowboys, it was Mac Jones. Now, you listen to sports radio, you watch sports content on TV, you listen to any sort of podcast yesterday, anyone and everyone that talked about that game pointed it and circled the blame on Mac Jones. Is he the guy? Is he not the guy? He got benched. The the Patriots screwed up. They got to get a new quarterback. My question to the people blaming Mac Jones the most for right now, their loss of the Cowboys and the Patriots 1-3 start to the season, is why? Why is Mac Jones getting all the blame? The person who should be getting the most heat right now for that blowout loss and the Patriots 1-3 start to the season should be Bill Belichick. This is a guy who created this mess himself. And I don't know if you are Robert, or I should say, I don't know how, if you are Robert Kraft, how you continue to watch this garbage and allow Bill Belichick to return as coach next year. Assuming the Patriots don't turn it around, which I don't see how they do, Bill Belichick should be fired at the end of the year if you're the Patriots. You can't have this continue. And a large part right now of the failure for New England is the fact that Bill Belichick has not put anyone, specifically though his quarterback, in a position to succeed. Bill Belichick has failed Mac Jones. And I'm not going to sit here and be a Mac Jones defender. I don't think he's very good. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. I don't think he's someone that you know, can be Tom Brady 2.0. I'm not sitting here defending Mac Jones. I'm trying to be realistic, uh, realistic though, in the sense that the Patriots should have known what Mac Jones was when they drafted him. Let's play a, a quick exercise here. I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Who is Mac Jones? As a quarterback, what is Mac? To me, watching him in his one year at Alabama tear it up, and now watching him three years of the Patriots, Mac Jones is someone who is lifted by those around him. He is not someone that can elevate the players around him. But he is kind of, as I said, right, all, you know, high tide lifts all boats. The high tide is not Mac Jones. The high tide is a great talent around him. Go back to his one year at Alabama in 2020 that led him to becoming a first-round pick. Look who was on the offensive roster for Mac 
in that uh, in that season. You had Devontae Smith, Heisman winner that year. You had Najee Harris running the ball. You had John Mechie, Jalen Waddell, and Brian Robinson Jr. all in that offense in either starting or backup roles. You had five guys at these skill positions alone in the NFL on that team. Again, Mac is a quarterback that is uplifted by what's around him versus him doing the lifting of other teammates around him. Right? And you, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Jones made those guys better. Mac did not make Devontae Smith Devontae Smith. They made him. So if you're Bill Belichick, you're no dummy. You're friends with Nick Saban. You have to see that. You have to see that in that record-breaking 2020 season where Alabama was undefeated and really did not play a close game all year long, that if you're going to take the quarterback from that team, you then have to realize, well, he was the product of what's around him. So if we want to repeat the success he had at Alabama here in New England, we got to then put and surround him with good players. And so far... He basically is playing, if you will, Marco Polo when it comes to getting skilled guys on the team. He's blindfolded, throwing out a term and hopefully and hoping that he hears something that he's close back on he can, you know, grab onto. He's basically blindfolded, picking out and seeing, well, will this work? Will it not work? And this is a guy who, again, has a quarterback that needs help, that needs a lot of talent around him to make him better. And then Bill Belichick, knowing that, decided, you know what? Let's go dumpster diving. Let's go to the bottom of the barrel in the free agent market and let's get ourselves guys like Juju Smith-Schuster. Let's get Devontae Parker. Let's sign Hunter Henry to a big-time contract. Let's get Mike Kosicki over here. Let's get an offensive line that's eh, not very good. Let's get a run game that we predicate ourselves on running the ball, but it's not going to be an effective and or dominant run game. We can, we can make a pass. We can make it work with Lower-level players? We can make it work with, right, if you call it a, you know, number one wide receiver, right, obviously number one. We can make it work with three guys that are number three wide receivers. A number three and a number four tight end and maybe a number two, two and a half running back. We can make it work with bottom-of-the-barrel talent for a quarterback that desperately needs elite, high-level talent around him in order to succeed, where it's like I do the opposite. Oh, and by the way, in Mac Jones' career, not only have we put bad talent around him at running back, receiver, tight end, offensive line, let's also for one season say, yeah, screw it. I'll show you who's smart. I'm going to take a primarily defensive-minded coach in Matt Patricia, who I think all but, I think it was two years, I believe, he was like an offensive line coach early in his career. It's like all but two, maybe even all but one year in his coaching career, Matt Patricia has been on the defensive side of the ball. Let's take him and let's have him call plays in 2022. Josh McDaniels leaves. We're coming off a playoff appearance. Let's just take a primarily defensive-minded coach, have him flip to the offense, and call plays for Mac Jones and expect everything to be okay. Got it. Got it. Nice job, Bill. Are we not going to blame Bill Belichick, who is not only the head coach, the GM as well, for making these horrendous decisions, for giving his quarterback, who again, is not very good, but giving his not very good quarterback no chance to succeed? How is Mac Jones right now getting more blame for the Patriots' failures on offense than the head coach? It doesn't make any sense to me. It defies logic.
This is a team right now this season that can't even play to their strengths. Like, if I had to guess what the Patriots are trying to do on offense, this is what I would surmise. The Patriots, in an ideal offense, would do this. Run the ball, play good defense. Right? They're not an air raid kind of offense. They're not going to have Mac Jones drop back 45 times a game and expect to win. They're going to try to run the ball, limit possessions, play good defense. The problem with that philosophy is that Bill can't even have his team play to their own strengths. What do we say? Run the ball, play good defense. Let's see what the Patriots are so far through four games this season. Rushing yards per game. Again, if you're a team that is predicated on running the ball, you think you're going to run it early, run it often, and have success doing so. The Patriots so far this season are 24th in the NFL out of 32 in rushing yards per game. Oof. They are 30th in the NFL in scoring offense. Oof. And they are 21st in the NFL in scoring defense. So they're trying to run the ball on offense. Can't do so. Trying to play good defense. Can't do so. Can't put up any points. Can't even play to the strengths of their team in large part because of how Belichick has put together this roster and has put together this team. It's been four years. It's been plenty of time. Bill Belichick has failed to adjust to life after Tom Brady. He's had plenty of time. He has failed to adjust. Whether it's failed to adjust his philosophy or just flat out can't do it and actually needs Tom Brady. The reality is the Patriots since Tom Brady have left have been an embarrassment. For their standards have been an embarrassment. And if you're Robert Kraft, he has openly, multiple times on the record said he expects playoffs this year. He wants to keep chasing Lombardi trophies and wants to keep winning. This is not someone who is sitting on his laurels, who is content with six Super Bowls. He's not going to let the string play out and say, oh, you know what? A decade of bad play, it's okay because we won six, so... If we got to go through a decade full of hell, yeah, so be it. It's okay. We got six. To Kraft's credit, he is not complacent. He is ready to win and ready to win now. And if you look at how your head coach and your de facto GM have put this roster together, have compiled this team year after year since Tom Brady left, where's the confidence if you're Robert Kraft who, again, wants to win, and wants to win now, where's your confidence and or belief that Bill is the guy to turn this around? I don't see it. I don't see it. Four years is more than enough time to adjust to life after Tom Brady. And instead of doing so, instead of changing the offense, instead of getting, you know, dipping your toe in free agency or making big trades and acquiring legitimate talent, Bill is still acting like Tom Brady is his quarterback. He is still negligent towards getting talented offensive players and still thinks that, yeah, we can win with whoever's a quarterback, whoever's calling the plays, doesn't matter. We did it for 20 years. We intermixed. You know, we changed a lot of things around. A lot of players came. A lot of players went. Coaches came and went. No problem. We, we, were, we weathered the storm for two decades. We could do it now. 
You can't do it now with Mac Jones as your quarterback. And that's why right now you look at this 1-3 and three start. It's not an anomaly. It's not a mirage. This is who they've been. This is the third straight season they've started 1-3. and three. 2021, to their credit, Doug Adovic got to the playoffs. That didn't happen in this year. They are nowhere close to a playoff team. They are a bad team. And the guy who deserves the most blame is not Mac Jones, who, again, is not very good himself. But the guy who deserves the most blame is Bill Belichick. And again, for a guy in Robert Kraft who wants to win, I don't see how you let Bill Belichick come back next year and expect a different result. It's to the point now where it's the definition of insanity. Bringing Bill Belichick back next season for the Patriots is truly the definition of insanity. You could not expect this team to be a playoff team. You cannot expect the quarterback to be any better. You cannot expect the offense to improve when Bill so far continues to act and believe like he can win doing whatever he wants to do. Not the case anymore in large part because Tom Brady's not there. So I'd love to ask you this at 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Also, you're on X, on Twitter. Actually, I hate how I just said X. I I made a promise myself. I'm not going to buy in. I'm going to still call Twitter, and I just can't believe I broke my own promise. Hopefully, we're just going to pretend like you didn't hear that. We're going to move on. You can tweet me at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Who is more to blame right now for this Patriots fiasco? Is it Bill Belichick? Or is it Mac Jones? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Again, at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. We'll get your thoughts on that and also when we return. We opened the show talking about the Monday night football game last night between the Giants and Seahawks from the Giants perspective. What about from Seattle's perspective? Do they show you anything last night? Do they show you that they are right now the third best team in the NFC? We'll discuss that when we do return. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey with you here on CBS Sports Radio. We'll circle back here. I want to get your thoughts on who is more to blame right now for the Patriots' struggles. Is it Mac Jones, who was benched on Sunday for Bailey Zappi, or is it Bill Belichick? I do, though, want to remind you that the Defensive Player of the Week is sponsored by the Navy Federal Credit Union, who proudly serves the Armed Forces DOD, veterans, and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Defensive player of the week. I mean, there's no other no other option. Devin Witherspoon, Seattle Seahawks last night. All over the field, seven tackles, six solo for himself, two tackles for loss all over. Sacked Daniel Jones too a few times. And the game-changing, maybe the season-changing for the Giants at least, pick six, 97 yards to take what could have been a 14-10 Seahawks lead as the Giants were down 14-3 and driving near the goal line. Took that 97 yards the other way to instead make it a 21-3 game and all hope for the Giants in that game and end all hope really for their season. So just really quickly, since we mentioned Devin Witherspoon, I want to talk about that game last night from the Seahawks' perspective. Look, it was a dominant win, right? The Giants stunk. It was not really a game whatsoever. But the Seahawks, to me, did not do a lot to impress. Like, to me, all that game was about is more about the Giants, how bad they were, than how good the, the Seahawks were. I still look at the NFC right now. Obviously, you have the 49ers and the Eagles, top of the conference, right? One and two. You can probably still put the Eagles number one, 49ers two. You can miss, you know, put those one and two, doesn't matter right now. They are clearly the two. They are cut uh, 
from a different cloth. But if you look at who has the best chance to spoil, right, a Eagles 49ers NFC title game, who could beat either the Eagles or the Niners? Team with the best chance to me is still the Lions. I don't think it's Seattle. To me, it's still Detroit. I like how their offense is wrong with Jared Goff. Defensively, they're coming along. They're making plays. But I just looked at Seattle last night. And for me, again, that game was more about just how bad the Giants were than I was. Wow. Look at Seattle. They were dominant. And they took advantage of what was a horrendous line from the Giants. Sacked Daniel Jones 11 times. He's not very good anyway. Daniel Jones is staring down his first receiver. Can't get rid of the ball. Can't read a defense. And Geno Smith was not that impressive. Like, Geno Smith led one touchdown drive last night. One touchdown drive from Geno Smith. One touchdown drive from Drew Locke. And we just talked about Devin Witherspoon taking a 97 yards to the house by himself. One defensive score. Geno Smith, to me, so far through 2023, has not been that impressive. He's pretty pedestrian. Not very good in the week one loss to the Rams. Not very good here where he was just 13-20 for 110 yards to not push the ball down the field whatsoever. That played better in Detroit. I get it. But still, to me, he's not been someone that I trust or feel good about come playoff time. Needing a big game and a big performance. I don't trust Geno Smith. I trust Jared Goff a lot more come playoff time. So even though it was a dominant win, even though the game was never really in the balance, I still did not come away really sort of impressed with Seattle whatsoever. That to me was about the Giants just being brutal and brutally bad, to say the least, uh, in that Monday night game. Did not take much away from Seattle's perspective. But all right. Uh, on the flip side here, team that was down bad, Patriots losing 38-3 to to the Cowboys, falling to 1-3 and in the season, and Mac Jones getting benched in the second half for Bailey Zappi. It's been a disaster for New England, and honestly, not a surprise either. I didn't have high expectations for the Patriots. I don't think a lot of people had high expectations for the Patriots this season in terms of them being a playoff team or making any sort of noise. This is not exactly a total shock right now that they're 1-3 and and got their doors blown off against the Cowboys, and their only win was against the Zach Wilson-led Jets. But right now, at least, I, at least from what I saw yesterday, a lot of people were getting on Mac Jones, and a lot of people, people were blaming Mac Jones and saying he's not the guy. I agree with that. I don't think Mac Jones is a franchise quarterback. But with that said, if we're playing the blame game here, and we're pointing the finger and saying who deserves the most blame right now for this 1-3 horrific start by the Patriots, it's not Mac. It's Bill Belichick. To me, Bill Belichick is the guy so far that deserves the most blame because he has screwed his quarterback. He has not given Mac Jones a chance because he has put garbage around him and expects to turn that garbage into gold. Can't do it. And Bill has done this really since really since 2020 when Tom Brady left. He has been unable to get any sort of offensive continuity and or explosiveness and has failed to adapt to the times. So that's why, for me, I think more blames on Bill Belichick. And if you're Robert Kraft, who's talked about competing and winning and making the playoffs and winning playoff games, I don't see how you can watch this and allow Bill Belichick to coach next season. If I'm Robert Kraft, this continues, barring a miraculous turnaround, and then making the playoffs, I'm firing Bill Belichick. 855-212-4227. Who do you think deserves more blame? Is it Bill or is it Mac? We go to Buffalo. Tony's there. What's up, Tone? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Good to talk to you. Likewise, man. What's on your mind? 
Well, I'm going to give it to you from a Buffalo Bills fan perspective. You know, you don't have to like Bill Belichick, but you got to respect him. You know, because he's Agreed. basically been a thorn in our side since Super Bowl 25 when he was coordinator with the Giants. So I've had all, we we've had a lot of familiarity with him. You know, so I'm going to say this: How would you know that they got behind him and Robert Kraft? to say, hey, we're going to tank it this year. It's going to be a good quarterback draft coming up, and we'll be able to get our guy next year. we just got to go through one more year. Plus, we can pick up some, uh, you know, the undercast players off the top of the rounds of the, uh, of the upcoming draft as well. I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. They've been cheating the whole time they've been there, right or wrong. I'm not going to get to the cheating, them. Tony. That's just, to me, it's just I, I'm just saying, well, down. Gotta keep, let's keep it real. But look okay. um, Let's also keep it real, Tony. Just go to Google. Very simple. Type in Robert Kraft Playoffs 2023. That's why I know they're not tanking. Robert Kraft has said on the record multiple times back in March before the season started, he said playoffs. His expectations well, were playoffs. I, 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 I know, Again, I, unless I, he's just trying to set a smoke screen here, I don't see how he says one thing and then internally with Bill Belichick says, hey, we're going to try to lose as many games as possible. Let's try to get in the Caleb Williams or Drake May or Shador Sanders sweepstakes here and get ourselves uh, get well, ourselves a quarterback. I'm telling you, I, I, that's what I that's what I smell. You know what I mean? I and hey, listen, you know that's a, you can't prove it, right? But still, I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. But Tony, then also here's the thing: the then. track record, you know. But uh, also, though, I'm going to say you can't underestimate Bill Belichick for one moment. He's a brilliant football mind. I mean, and you know what? I don't necessarily like the guy. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan since 1981, since I could understand the game, you know, so, you know, you got to give credit where credit's due, but I, you know, no, listen, agreed. Tony, you I'm not sitting here trying to any, besmirch you know, the legacy of Bill Belichick, try to tell you that he's not deserving of being the best head coach in the NFL. I appreciate the call. I, I still am saying that this is, but this is living also in reality in 2023 and acknowledging the Patriots are not very good. And then you wonder why, why are the Patriots not very good? Patriots are not very good because Bill Belichick has not put together a good roster. This guy's a GM has failed this team since the day Tom Brady walked out the door. It's been four years. How much longer are you supposed to give him? How much longer are we supposed to go here? That's it. Like, if we're going to live in the real world and talk about facts and keep it real, let's keep it real. Since Tom Brady walked out the door in 2019, and even that season, you kind of saw some signs of decay. This team has not been a threat. This team has not been a threat whatsoever. And for an owner who has talked on the record multiple times about winning and competing and being in the playoffs, how can you say one thing, watch the total opposite happen, and then be still okay with it? Dale is in Birmingham. Hello, Dale. Hey, how's it going? Good, buddy. What's going on, man? My thing is this. Remember Alabama? When they got rid of the coach and got Mike, I mean, you know, Mike Shue, we, we lost for years. You just don't follow a brand, a coach like that. They might lose for another 10 years. Well, they're losing now, Dale. So what's the difference? Yeah, but they, if we was to no, I'm, I'm saying if we was to put some wide receivers around him, tight end, give him an amber chance with with some good talent, he can do some things. Oh, I would agree with that, Dale. But here's the problem: you've had at least four years. He hasn't been able to do it, and this has been a problem that goes back even when Tom Brady was there. But let's just talk about the post Brady days. 
We're talking four years, Dale. Four off seasons, four drafts, and he swung and missed. I understand. But he just, when you're that old and he's just stuck in his ways. Right. I, that, that, that's exactly what I'm saying, Dale. That's exactly what I'm saying. So my, you're making my point for me. Right. He got to be willing to change. So if he's not, Dale, why then? You, why are the pages still bringing him back? What's the point? Because they're going to suck like 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 for 10 years if they get rid of him. I'm not a New England fan, but uh, they're, they're going to be terrible. How are they digging out of this hole, Dale? With Bill Belichick as the coach, how are they doing it? At least you've got a coach that, that's a winner. Maybe somebody can hold him in and talk to him. Who, who is all right? I, who is sitting? Okay, okay, I'm, I'm trying to give him some kind of excuse. No, I hear you, Dale, uh, and that's the problem winner. right now. It's not really working. I'm gonna lose with a winner than to lose with with a loser. Yeah, people don't know what they're asking for. I told you, we suffered, we suffered through the Mike Shula days. And guess what? You made a change, and what happened? We start winning like 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 it was raining outside. That's right, Dale. That's right. If you're not winning now, and I appreciate the call, man. If we're, th- we're trying to think of excuses for Bill and just trying to say, oh, you know, just get some players here. He's had chances to get players. He can't do it. He's been unable to do it and at times unwilling to do it. Four years to me is enough. At this point, again, I don't know if you're how you're Robert Kraft and you see this continue and how you think, oh, yeah, I'll bring him back next year. No problem. I just don't see the excuses you can have right now for Bill Belichick in trying to justify his return here in 2024 if what we've seen so far in 2023 does continue because it's not just this season. It's been a trend so far. Dale said himself he's stuck in his ways, which he absolutely is. Nothing's changed since Tom Brady's walked out the door. Four years is more than enough to adjust, to move on, to figure something out. Has not happened. Okay. Before we go to the update here, I'm going to need some life advice from Rich Ackerman. Ack, me and you share a bond. You and I share a bond. You and I, thank you, Mr. Grammar, please. You and I do share a bond. Our love for Trader Joe's. Exactly. I love it. That's where I do predominantly my food shopping. You love it as well. We have one here very close to us. I need your help because I have learned some devastating news earlier today. Uh. My favorite pasta sauce made at Trader Joe's. It is an Alfredo sauce with pepper in there. Delicious. It is being discontinued. That's not good. It is being discontinued, and I do not know what to do. They make a coinciding pasta to go with the sauce. From my understanding, <laughs> the pasta is not being discontinued, just the sauce. Just I the sauce. do not know why, but I need your help because I look, I can live without it. Like I'm not going to, you know die after without alfredo sauce but it is to die for the best alfredo i've had that's not at an italian restaurant i need it what is the plan of action here uh i would call customer service and see why they're discontinuing plead and maybe maybe i would ask the question can you give me the recipe because if you're not going to make it i'd like to make it myself i thought about that today actually because i was trying to think of an action plan do i write a letter I don't know if calling would work. Like, I don't know what the strongest. I like calling. It's it's, it's not very twenty twenty three, but uh, I like I like the personal touch. You get you get somebody on the line, they talk to you. Emails. Yeah, you're right. It's probably, it's probably more personable than a letter. Yeah. Um, where you can just throw it out because you're a faceless person to them. Or at least you got them on the phone. You can hear them talk. Yeah. I can maybe hear the passion and or sadness in my yeah. voice. They think you're a nice guy. You know. Right. Ho- hopefully, will you call my behalf? 
as well. <laughs> can I get like, you know, calling on behalf of Ryan Hickey here, you're discontinuing the Cacio a Pepe yes. Alfredo sauce. Please do not do it. Or they, please send like the I'll, I'll back you on that. I'll back you on okay. that. Okay. I have to find I have to call somebody at Me TV Plus though. I'm very disappointed. They took off the white shadow. They were running that in in uh in syndication and now now they're not. See, if you, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. There you go, deal. You make the call to Trader Joe's, I'll make the call to MeTV, and we'll get both of what we want back. As Trim, as Jerome from Manhattan once said, done, D-O-E-N, done. D-O-E-N. Oh, boy. Maybe that's part of the reason why I won't write a letter, in case I spell anything. They won't take me seriously. <laughs> All right, so that's the plan of action. We're going to go full, I'm not Karen mode per se, but call, plead. I, I'm like, no, I, don't, I won't cry. But I'll try to sound really... I am really upset. At least make the... Yeah. Pass along the recipe. That is just devastating. I don't know why Trader would do this. Don't break my heart. Please. I have pasta 80... I mean, you know, 85% of the time I'm working here. Mm -hmm. I need good pasta. And that is by far the best canned Alfredo sauce you will ever get. So if you are Trader Joe's (laughs) goer, we're not getting paid to say this. Please help me out here. Back me up. The, The greatest sauce they make is potentially... At least according to one store near my apartment, being discontinued. The madness has to end. Speaking of madness, when we do return here, Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Contender or pretender time? We have, what is it, six? Let me just get the count. Six college football programs so far through the first month. Are they legitimate college football playoff contenders or are they frauds? We'll discuss next when we do return, but here he is. All right, Ryan Hickey here with you. Where else but CBS Sports Radio. All right. So we are one month through the college football season. One month down, two to go in the last year of the four-team college football playoff format. So we got a lot of teams out there that are playing well. No one's really separated themselves. There's no elite class and pretty good class and okay class. There is 10, 12 teams maybe kind of bunched all together right now fighting for 12 spots. So, one month in, figured, all right, let's do a little early contender or pretender. Which teams out there right now in the rankings legitimately can compete for a college football playoff spot? Who right now is a fraud? Jack Stern doing a good job producing the show, has the teams. Jack we start with okay let's start off with the team that everyone's talking about because they have the raves uh the reigning heisman trophy winner and caleb williams who actually both statistically and in terms of the eye test looks a lot better but usc is one of those teams that's very hard to differentiate right because they were ranked fifth two weeks ago they won by two touchdowns against arizona state on the road that was a little bit of a back and forth game they moved down to the eighth spot that hasn't happened Then they're leading Colorado 34-14 at halftime, and it's looking like they're going to shoot back up those rankings. But obviously, good things don't last on the defensive side of the football for Lincoln Riley coach teams, and they allow 27 points. The Buffs come storming back. The Trojans come away victorious, but they slide down yet again because of a bad second half. They're now ranked ninth. So are the USC football Trojans led by the tandem of Riley and Caleb Williams? Contenders or pretenders? I am still saying contender. Here's why. Look, their defense is not great. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's very good. Here's the reality. Here's what I think happened on Saturday against Colorado. Five minutes to go in the third quarter, the score is 41-14. to 14. For 
two and a half, almost three quarters. I thought USC's defense was solid. Solid. Not great. It doesn't have to be great. But you're up 41-14. Well, I think what happened was they gave up. Now, that's, again, I'm not, that's on them. That's on the coaching staff for not having their players ready to play. But frankly, I think the defense just mailed it in. Up 41-14. They thought the game was over. Obviously, you got close to, we got to the point where they got within a touchdown, Colorado did. So USC's defense is not good. It is clearly not great. But what I do think it is good enough to do, win the Pac-12 and make the college football playoff. Last year, they were 103rd, I believe, off the top of my head, in total defense. 103rd in total defense, and they were one Caleb Williams hamstring injury away in the Pac-12 title game from winning the conference and going to the college football playoff. You can't be 103rd again this year, especially with an improved conference. You got to be better, but you don't have to be top 10, top 20 in order for this team to make a playoff led by, as you mentioned, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. So I'm still, I'm bullish on USC. I picked them before the year to win the national title. They're my national championship pick. I ain't jumping off the Titanic just yet. Contender for the Trojans. I like it. I think someone aside from Mason Cobb will have to learn how to make some tackles. Yes, I would agree with that. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on to the next contender or pretender to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Obviously, that really bad 10-point loss in Week 2 to Texas. Everyone was able to, uh, was ready to say, rather, that Steve Sarkeesian had unseated Nick Saban on the crown at the top of the college football world. But in Nick Saban fashion, they bounced back after a mediocre win at USF. They beat Ole Miss in commanding fashion 24-10. Obviously, a big blowout win against Mississippi State last week as well. This could be the beginning of the end for Saban and company. I think that's a fair assessment of the situation. But as far as this year is concerned, are the Alabama Crimson Tide contenders or are they starting to kind of fade away as pretenders here, Ryan? They are pretenders. They are pretenders. A nice bounce back winning its all Miss for me, though. That was more about disappointment from the Rebels than impressiveness from Alabama. Jalen Milrow still has his turnover issues. Run game is not elite enough to take the pressure off his shoulders. I just don't think they're, frankly, very good this year or good enough this year to get a top four spot. Even though right now you look at the rest of the SEC West, it's not daunting. Right? There's no team right now that jumps out and you say, oh, automatic loss. Right? LSU is free-falling. Their defense can't stop anybody. Auburn's offense is not very good. Arkansas is not very good. So there's no one in the SEC West directly they're playing a- uh, A&M this week. I'm not a big A&M believer whatsoever. So... Even though the West is not deep and they should, should make it to Atlanta, I don't think they're beating Georgia and I don't think that they are winning the SEC. Pretender for Alabama the first time in Nick Saban's career, or first time, I should say, at least in the college football playoff era. Let us back to back college football playoffs. Let's move on to another Nick Saban disciple. What do you think, Ryan? Let's do it. Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels. I know they lost to Alabama couple weeks ago, but they're ranked 16th. They had a really nice win against LSU last week. All the talent in the world on the offensive side of the ball in Jackson Dart, actually USC transfer. We all know about Trey Harris, Jordan Watkins, really explosive unit, although they have struggled against better competition at times. I like the swagger on this Ole Miss team. They were doing some dances in the locker room and whatnot after they won. Dart was posting it on TikTok. Kiffin always has some weird comments to say. Is this team a contender, or are they pretending and putting on an act? Pretending. They are pretenders. You said before, they do not play well against great opponents. 
Now they beat LSU. For me, that was the biggest win Kiffin has got at Ole Miss. That was a, a big-time win for him. He's been unable to win the big game so far in his tenure. That's been a disappointment and a frustration. As someone who likes Lane Kiffin, as someone who roots for Lane Kiffin's success, I've been very frustrated with him. Anytime it's a big game, he always gets Ellis, uh, excuse me, he always gets Ole Miss near the top 10. Then it's oh, time to play an opponent, time to play Alabama, time to play a ranked you know, LSU team, and he has fallen short uh, plenty of times up until last Saturday. Even though it was a nice win over LSU, I'm still not buying into them being legitimate college football playoff contenders. Defense is atrocious. Jackson's dart played a lot better. Still does not have my full trust. Though. I'm still too scarred from his performance a few weeks ago against Alabama, in which that was a very winnable game. A game I thought they should have won outright uh, and got smoked by two touchdowns. Nice win over the weekend. Don't think, though, when it comes to the college football playoff, they'll be a player whatsoever. That's, that's fair to say. They're probably about a 8-4, and four, slightly above average team this time around. That defense is probably going to come back to hurt them in the end. But the Notre Dame Fighting Irish came down to the wire. And I mean the wire. With Ohio State two weeks ago, had a little bit of a tough loss. 17-14. Didn't hurt them too much. But then last week, big bounce back win against Mike Elko and Duke. They're finally back up in the rankings. Have a gauntlet of a schedule coming up at Louisville this week, hosting USC the following week. This is really going to be a litmus test for this team. Are the Fighting Irish under Marcus Freeman finally starting to come around, or are they kind of playing pretenders here? I am going to say for this season, still pretenders. Look, you lose to Ohio State, back-breaking loss, because, again, Notre Dame, without being in a conference, needs a lot of help here, and I don't think them running the table at 11 and 1 they're going to need i think too much help to make the college football playoff. Right, you got to clearly to stay alive you got to beat number 9 USC. I do not think they will. I do not. You also got to hope Clemson kind of kicks it into gear and can kind of get ranked. You hope Duke can stay ranked. Louisville right now is hanging on for dear life at 25 so if you beat them they're going to go unranked. I just don't think Notre Dame's resume even if they run the table with how deep the Pac-12 is with right now how top heavy the Big 10 is. With Florida State being undefeated. With right now Texas and Oklahoma being undefeated. I know one will obviously drop from those ranks this weekend when they face off against each other. But you have right now Big 12, ACC, multiple teams in the Big 10, multiple teams in the Pac-12, SEC as well. I just think that right now there are too many teams that Notre Dame has to leapfrog and too many teams with better resumes than the Irish. For them to be legitimate contenders, I will go pretender. You know, it's funny. We were just talking about Notre Dame. For Brent Venables in Norman, Oklahoma, this finally seems to be the year where everything's starting to come together, right? Dylan Gabriel, veteran quarterback, 5-0 start. I don't know, though. I just can't really trust the, uh, the Sooners down the stretch against Texas. Some of the better teams in the Big 12 have a tough matchup with TCU to end the season. Is this the year that Oklahoma finally starts to squeak by and make their way into the playoff, which they would be in right now, ranked 12th? Or does the carriage turn into a pumpkin once the clock strikes midnight once again? I think the Sooners are contenders. They are my pick to win the Big 12. I like the fact that under Dylan Gabriel, he's been healthy so far. He's looked you know, he's looked very solid and comfortable in this offense. And how about this defense? This defense in year two under Brent Venables has actually taken a true step forward. They, they were horrendous last year. They were 122nd in total defense last year. So far through five games this year, 20, uh, excuse me, 30th. 30th in total defense, tied for second in scoring defense. I get you can argue that who they played has not been great, and it's a big test this week against Texas. Yes, but so far they've taken a big step forward. I do think they beat Texas, and from there, 
it's not a real daunting and or challenging schedule. I think they're going to have to be 13-0 to make the college roll playoff in part because of that less than challenging Big 12 schedule. I think they'll, they can absolutely do it. Get past Texas. I think they will. Oklahoma, contender. One more team, Ryan. Washington State. Obviously, Jake Dickert is finally starting to look like one of the big-time head coaches in college football, which is ironic because he essentially stumbled into the job when Nick Rolovich was fired. 4-0, big win against Oregon State uh, at home last week. Are the Cougars for real, Ryan? I'm going to say contender. I like this team a lot. They're a fun watch. Cam Ward is legitimately good. Problem is, pac 12 is a gauntlet. You look at Washington State's schedule going forward here. At UCLA, at Oregon, at Washington. Three biggest games on their schedule, all away from home. I like what Washington State's doing this year. They're legitimately a really good team. In terms of college football playoff contention, unfortunately, I will have to say pretender. When we return, the Giants made the biggest and worst mistake an NFL team can make. It was on display in Monday Night Football. We'll talk about it next. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio.